This week on the Everyday Explorer podcast, we're going in a slightly different direction. While we talk about travel at home a lot in this series, we also want to encourage you to look into trying out different places to call home for a while. In this episode, we're joined by travel writer and editor Hazel Plush, and we talk expat living in Dubai, Canada and Thailand, and how you can pick up your current career and take it all over the world. Welcome to the Everyday Explorer podcast, a series that inspires you to discover your doorstep and beyond on a daily basis. This podcast is brought to you by gottakeepmoving.com and I'm your host, Emma Higgins. Welcome back to another episode of the Everyday Explorer podcast. We have got something a little bit different for you today and I'm really excited about it. But before I introduce that, I have to introduce my guest, Miss Hazel Plush. Hi Hazel. Hello, lovely to be here. Lovely to have you here. We're the rabbit in your lap. I yes. have to mention that we're yes. also joined by Henry the rabbit. Yes, it's a real life rabbit. He's, uh, he's sniffing around. Keeping his company, he might even chip in later, you never know. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure he's got a lot to say on the subject. <laughs> so, for those of you who are not familiar with Hazel, she is a writer and editor. Do you want to tell us more about your work, Hazel? Yeah, sure. So, I have been working in publishing now for just under 10 years, and um, I have always worked within the travel media. So, I came to the job really as a passion because I just, I love travel. It was all I wanted to do. It's all I ever wanted to write about. So very happily, I, um, you know, I I fell into it as soon as I uh, came out of university and I've been uh, making a hash for ever since. So uh, it's taken me all over the world, which is, um, you know, great. It's absolutely fantastic. And um, I've been lucky enough to meet some very interesting people and see some very interesting places along the way. So um, I hope that I can help you um with a bit of insight today you can i can say that i think i've deemed you qualified to this, <laughs> but i'm <flattered>. thank you <laughs> so yeah as you mentioned you've gone all over the world with your work and i guess mm. that neatly introduces us to the subject now this is a bit different to what we normally talk about because normally on this podcast we talk about ways in which you can uh, discover more every day or try different things around your work schedule to make you feel like you're traveling and see more of home and things like that but I I wanted to put this subject into the podcast because I appreciate that a lot of the people listening and myself and anyone who loves travel also wants to go on a big trip every now and then and also dreams of running away on a long trip and I think there's one view or picture that people have of big long trips is that you kind of give up everything you don a backpack and you go and get some scruffy job somewhere that you don't really like but it kind of gets you around the world but I think what we're what we're here to say today is that that doesn't have to be the reality you don't have to drop everything in your life to go on a larger trip or to go and live somewhere else so we're talking about being an expat and we're talking about how to take your skills elsewhere in the world even if you don't speak the same language as the country you want to move to or anything like that so Hazel do you want to tell us 
about your expat experiences in the past? I would love to. I, um, yeah, like I said, I've always loved travel and I was keen for an overseas adventure that would kind of scratch an itch that I had. I had a bit of a, um, I don't know, a career um, rut and I wanted to shake things up a little. So I, um, I went to work in the Middle East for two years. I lived in Dubai and um, I was working on some magazines out there and um, very quickly I learned that not only was you know expat life a really refreshing change from you know what a lot of people would consider their norm their daily routine but also it's a fantastic way to squeeze as much travel mm. into um, into my into my working week really I um, I work like everybody well I work very hard um, and I think you do when you're an expat because there's this, you know, idea that you're you're overseas and if you're working on something for your career, then you obviously want to make every moment count. Um, but the weekends are yours. They're yours for exploring. And I certainly found that if I kind of pushed myself out of my, you know, out of my comfort zone, if I made sure that, you know, at the end of every week I was, I was heading off somewhere new or I was exploring something or I had a different experience lined up then I actually felt like I was almost traveling more than just going to a different country to work and yeah. that really appealed to me um but funnily enough not everyone that I encountered had that mindset I really thought that everyone was going to be the same as me you know the people I'd be working with I thought they'd all be you know really up for exploring I mean we were in Dubai so you kind mm. of you have a very different set of countries on your doorstep than you do from when you're in the UK or anywhere else in, in the world for that matter and um, you have some really interesting places to explore and you don't necessarily have to leave the country to find them however a lot of my colleagues and my and my friends that I made over there didn't actually share my same um <laughs> all right here I don't want to go anywhere. yeah yeah they didn't and I was working I was literally I was working with people who had been out in Dubai for 10 years eight ten hmm. years and um, they had no desire to even go to the next state, even to go to Abu Dhabi, wow. to um, you know, to, to explore there, or or to go to Oman, which is literally on your doorstep. You can drive there, and the, you know, they, they had no desire whatsoever. And you know, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But it took me by surprise, and also meant that I had to do a lot of a lot of adventuring on my own. Um, <laughs> Pretty, I'm sure that taught you a, a good few lessons as a woman in the Middle East, travelling by yourself. Yeah, yeah. To, to be honest, though, I mean, um, like all of us, when you've seen a bit of the world, you mm. realise that people have different cultural expectations, and I think you're very you're very careful, and you are very sensitive to those expectations. So, even though for a lot of people it was very much like, oh my gosh. You know, you can't possibly go to Qatar because you're a woman and you're on your own. Well, mm. I didn't take risks and I, you know, I was clued up on, you know, cultural hot potatoes and sensitivities. Yeah. Um, but because I'd been travelling, I didn't find it as much of a shock as maybe someone who didn't fancy going would have done, you know, and maybe yeah. that was what had put them off all those all that time. And um, yeah, it was basically... You know, it was my way of keeping myself sane as well. You know, it's like when you go to a, a different country and yeah. you're so immersed in a new culture that you kind of have to find out who you are within that again and you have mm -hmm. to figure out what makes you tick. And for me, it was it was about that adventure. It was about that kind of out on your own, you know, so, solo traveller, having some kind of challenge, really. Yeah. 
Um, and that was how I differentiated myself, how I made myself feel at home. And um, yeah, ultimately it was a fantastically enriching experience and was, I think, maybe even better than going off on you know, a big trip and doing a menial job that gets you a bit of hostel that just money. Gets you, keeps you going, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it advanced my career as well. I mean, what's mm-hmm. not to like? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's exactly why I want to talk about it because it's kind of, we talk about slow travel a lot on this podcast and it's like the ultimate slow travel. Mm. Oh, you gosh, go to yeah. one place, although although your weekends are busy, you're still getting to know, yeah. you still got to know Dubai over the space of one year, two years, was it? Um, it was two years. Two years. Yeah, it was two years. So... I mean, I've had those experiences as well. So I've moved to Canada, took my experience as a blogger there and I got a full-time job there. So I've kind of lived an expat life there. And then I've also done it in Thailand, which was a completely different experience. Mm. Again, doing actually the same job and working, I actually worked with 70 Russian people. <laughs> I was the only English person yeah. and that was my job. To How be, is your Russian? To be the English <laughs> person. Um, I still don't know any apart from Privet. Which is like hi, I think. <laughs> I'm really sorry. What's to... Russian for? Who stole the milk? <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> no idea. Where are the tea bags? <laughs> um, I probably learned more Russian than I did uh, Thai. Uh, yeah, and again, did the same, the same job, but in Thailand. And like you mentioned, with your experience in Dubai, advanced my career hugely. Mm. That like those, you know, year and a half I was in both of those places really advanced my career more than any job I've had in the UK in fact (laughs) so yeah you don't have to go and I mean I always read about backpackers going off and then ended up scrubbing toilets and actually making a lot less than they would do like making like on the poverty line scrubbing I know a lot of people have scrubbed toilets that's a a, that doesn't make any sense to me (laughs) and also as well it's not a great experience go home yeah why go halfway across the world why spend all that money on that plane ticket yeah and why you know be why set yourself up to go and see different places and then end up in a worse situation than you were when you were at home and you were working those three jobs just so you could afford your airfare and you were saving up and saving up and then you find yourself on the side of the world and you're like, oh God, now I have to eat grapes and I'm scared of spiders, so I'm screwed. Um, (laughs) Did you you find when you were working overseas, either in Canada or or, um, Thailand, did you find that it opened up a whole new social network for you than it would have done if you were just there as a traveller? Whole new. Because you really, I really had to try. Mm. In Canada, it was a little bit easier because two of the people I'd met in... Nope. Three of the people I'd met in South America. One of them was from Toronto. One of them was moving there for that boy from Toronto. They now live together, and which is oh. wonderful. Uh, and another one was just someone I met in Arsenal in in Bolivia so but loads of people were just moving to Toronto so I kind of like hopped on the bandwagon because yeah. I just thought actually I don't know something pulled me there so I knew people when I got there I was really intent on um, finding my own friends and trying to make new friends obviously mm-hmm. I actually went through couch surfing meetings and stuff like that and made a, a load of new friends but it, it was a completely different experience and and really difficult to you have to really push yourself. Mm. Basically, you have to really make yeah. and have a deliberate intention going, I'm going... It's almost like saying to yourself, I'm going to go and find some more friends. Yeah. Which you don't do yeah. at home. No, <laughs> no. It just kind of, you meet people at work and things like that. And I did meet people at work, but you need more people around. You need a mm. community. And that, in fairness, that's why Thailand didn't work. Because it was... I was in Phuket, mm. which is like resort island. Mm. And they're just... The communities are just not there. Mm. The Russian people I worked with were so sweet. 
and really nice people. Mm. But it was hard. There were so many of them, and they already had their groups and things like that. And I was the only English, which was mm. really difficult. Yeah, um, that's difficult in any language, any yeah. culture, yeah. isn't it? Really, exactly. Them being yeah, yeah. It's ultimately why it didn't work because I didn't find that those group mm. that group of people. But it still enabled you to see a different part of the world. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot for a lot of people, Thailand is, you know, top of their top of their list. Mm -hmm. And you still got to see that and you still, you know, you got you saw a different side of it, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Which is I think what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Going to Dubai, I mean, for me really it was a bit of a strange choice. I'd never been, never been before, so Mm. it's not like you have to choose a place that you live and I'm, you know you found this with you know with the places that you lived you don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to have lived there before no um, I've never been to Thailand or Toronto yeah it's all about trying something different isn't mm-hmm. it um but Dubai has this kind of reputation of being it's a real like um I think target of snobbery with a lot of travelers who are kind of you know your, your hardcore adventure travelers because they just see it as this city where it's you know it's full of malls it's full of skyscrapers there's there's no culture to it, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And I think, yeah, to a certain extent, if you were just to go there on a trip and you were to spend a long weekend or a week there or even two weeks going around, you wouldn't necessarily get a handle on what it's all about. You would come away thinking, oh, yeah, it's got, you know, all these big malls and that's all they ever talk about. Yeah. But actually, from living there, you get to see such a different part of it. You know, I worked with... Um, a lovely Indian lady in, in my like my second, third week, she took me camping with her family at the weekend. <gasps> and wonderful. Yeah, it was amazing. So she, uh, it was her and her husband and her daughter um, with four other Indian families who, wow. and they had loads of kids and um, they were really adventurous and they, they all piled into their four-wheel drives at the weekend and they would head out into the desert. And... When I said to her, you know, just passing in work, you know, I you know, I quite enjoy camping at home and all that kind of stuff. And I don't suppose there's any opportunity to do that around here, is there? Ha, ha, ha. And she said, uh, yeah, we're, we're like... just begging for an invitation. Yeah, I know, basically. <laughs> Take me with you. So, Patsy, I hear you go camping. Um, so, um, yeah, suddenly I found myself with this invitation to go camping, not only in the UAE, in the desert, but with, you know, five Indian families, which... <sighs> You just wouldn't, you wouldn't get that experience no. um, if you were just passing through on a holiday. Mm. And that was my weekend and it was just the most, I remember that to mm. the end of my days because it was not only a fantastic way of exploring, it was also a, an amazing example of how kind and lovely people are mm. um, overseas. And you know, everyone there is an expat really, so there is this kind of understanding that we're all away from our families and yeah. you know, we're all kind of trying to make sense of this crazy place. And I think, yeah, they probably just took pity on me and were like, oh, let's give this poor, poor English girl who's, who's craving the outdoors a bit of, <laughs> a bit of time to enjoy the desert. Um, but it was I'll great. I'll take that pity. I don't care if you're pissing me. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. take the pity. Roll they with it. They fed me curry. It was amazing. Oh, that would be enough for me. Yeah. I'm like, what are we doing? Don't care. Yes. I'll take the curry. Yeah. Oh, you're cooking. <laughs> you're cooking. I'll come. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> so it was, that, that's just one tiny experience yeah. in a two years worth of amazing mm-hmm. and um oh you could do anything you could be an accountant you could work in project management you could mm. you know just have a, a, a an office job or you could be really high powered but the fact that you are you're living away from home puts you in this situation where like you say you have to go out mm. you have to meet you people have to. you have to 
do that and it's not like it's not as simple as turning up at a hostel and being like who fancies a beer that doesn't you know that doesn't kind of come into it because you mm-hmm. at the end of the day you've got a, you've got a job you've got to work you've got a career yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i think for i guess for anyone listening i always will encourage people to discover more of home and see more of home but i equally with as much force <laughs> encourage people to consider taking a year I wouldn't even call it a year out. I'd say a year just doing what you do as close as you can find to what you do mm-hmm. in another place. Because mm-hmm. even like the job in another country, that's in terms of your career, that experience could be completely different. The way they do things in another in another country completely completely yeah. different. It's like you say, exploring your home territory. You're mm-hmm. basically just changing where your home is for a little bit. Yeah. So Absolutely. it opens up a whole new area of yeah. the world to. Um, you know, to, to explore. Yeah, definitely. Do you remember how you went about finding the magazine jobs in Dubai? Yeah, so um, I just applied for the job like any other job. It wasn't on a particular special job board or anything. It was it was on a website called Gulkana, which is um, very popular within my industry for journalism jobs, and it just popped up on there. And I just applied in the normal manner and didn't really expect to hear anything Um, and then of course you have to do phone interviews uh, because I was a little bit concerned how they were going to get around the whole interview thing but it was phone interviews you can have the notes in front of you well (laughs) I know exactly and also because they called me and we had the interview was on like the 23rd of December and I thought this was just because you know they were very you know, it's a Muslim country, they don't celebrate Christmas, so right. why would they be funny about Christmas? Of course, I was in my pyjamas at home. They stuffing. didn't have to know that, though, did they? Stuffing <laughs> your face with stuffing. Yeah, it's quite literally. So, um, but yeah, as it turned out, I mean, the, the, the company that I eventually worked for, uh, they were run by a British couple. The only reason why they chose to interview me so close to December, so close to Christmas, was because it was the only bit of time they had spare um, because they were so busy. So it was, you know, there I was thinking it was some kind of avant-garde, you know, oh, it's so exotic. But actually, no, it was just them like being, oh, God, we really need someone now. Um, so, yes, I, uh, I I did the interview on the phone in my pyjamas and um, then had a second interview, which was more difficult because that was in January and I was back at work. I had to find a quiet place for my lunch break. So I ended up going to a Weatherspoons and sitting in the corner of a Weatherspoons at lunchtime. Um, Weatherspoons pub, that is. Uh, just to be 100% clear. So it's there very, I was. It's a CD chain of yes. in the UK. For any, very, any yeah. international listeners. Yeah, very uh, cheap it's a, beer. It's a ridiculous place to go and have a phone interview. The, the irony of, uh, of interviewing for a job in a Muslim country while sitting in a pub in England certainly wasn't lost on me. Um, and I didn't tell them that was where I was. But um, Whilst you were sipping a gin. <laughs> yes, it was a squash. Um, so, yeah, it all paid off. And um, before I knew it, I was on, I was on my way. And, yeah. Um, yeah, with all of the just intrepidation and worry that comes with that, like with any new job, um, I remember I had to lie down on the kitchen floor in my flat in Reading because I was just so overwhelmed by the whole thing. I was like, I just yeah. have to lie down. Yeah. Um, but that's the, that goes for a trip, doesn't it? If you're yeah. heading off on a, an amazing big Regardless trip, work, yeah. you go backpacking, whatever, it's just one of those life change things. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't feel nervous, then 
you don't do your best. I think you're being a bit cocky as well if you're not nervous. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> be a little bit nervous. You're almost setting yourself up for failure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that because the job I got in Canada is actually quite similar in that I just found it. Yeah. I applied for it like a normal it's person. It's funny that, isn't it? Um, so <laughs> if anyone thinks there's a magical place on the internet where all these expat <laughs> jobs are stored, that's not true. No, there are probably not. a couple here and there, but they're probably not in the decent jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I was already moving there before I found the job. So it's complete serendipity that I found it. And she said, yeah, you can start whenever you get here. So I went with the knowledge that I had a job, which was wonderful. Mm. And then, well, the Thailand one, I got headhunted. Yes, so. darling. <laughs> <laughs> but I was in Poland. I just, I'd left Canada like a month ago. I was in Poland someone emailed me saying do you want this job we'll fly you over to thailand and we'll give you a flat and oh, we'll give you a salary which was the same salary i had in canada which is oh a joke because the living cost is so yeah so much fun. and um i was just like no like it's just not in my plans to move to thailand <laughs> and then an hour later i was like why did i just say no to that <laughs> <laughs> did you actually reply and say no uh i said i think because i kind of went through a friend like a friend referred me and yeah, I, I said to him, like, there's just no way that... Cause it just took me out of the blue. It, was not, I, it wasn't in my plans, but also I didn't have a plan further than a month no, ahead. So no. I was thinking, well, why have I just said no to someone? Just <laughs> I wouldn't have to spend any... It's li- literally nothing yeah. would be lost if Seamless. I went. So I was like, I have to obviously have to go. Yeah. But again, yeah, in the, in the same job that I was doing in Canada, it's just funny. I think that opened my eyes to how normal it is to find jobs mm. that are actually you know i do writing and editing it really does have to be in english the writing that i do because i can't yeah. speak another language yeah uh, but it doesn't really have to do it in england, england no it? no not at all and they're just they're just ripe for the picking mm. all over the world do you, did you find and do you think that being an english person or even just being someone from overseas kind of made you more attractive as a as a as an employee prospect for these for these companies do you think that because i mean a lot of people speak about how oh you know if you've worked overseas you come home and you've actually got better job prospects than you Mm. did before you came out because you've worked somewhere interesting and you've got stories to tell but do you think it also works the other way in that companies are they're really keen to get someone who is an expat because they know that they're going to be there to work and they're going to be they're going to be interested and mm. clued and they're also going to be a certain type mm-hmm. of person as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they've both been in the travel industry, so I think this was mentioned to me when I got to Canada. They were like, "We wanted you because you obviously love travel so much, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's half of this job." Mm. You know, I was writing tour itineraries, so it was easy for me to like write mm. about places I hadn't been before mm. and get excited about them because that's what I do on a daily basis yeah. in my little brain. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the one in Thailand, I really yeah, like. I was hired on the basis that I was English yeah. because I was there to be the English person yeah. to translate their attempts of English, oh, gosh. which are pretty good. Pretty good. They just miss out the and of a lot. Like it's the ticket, not just ticket. Ticket. <laughs> and my word was also like 100% like the, the scripture. Yeah. There. Any yeah. English question, they're like, Emma, what is this? And sometimes in my brain, I go, I'm not sure technically what it is. Make it up. But whatever I say, they're gonna agree. <laughs> so yeah, that was different. But I think yeah, maybe for the for the diversity, I think I think the travel company I worked for in Canada really liked the fact that our team was from all over mm. the world. But you don't have to. It's not exclusive to the travel industry or 
or no, travel publishing true. is that you can I mean I certainly met people in Dubai that from all walks of life that were doing all different types of job and they you know all the way from construction to kind of I don't know marketing manager yeah and you know they didn't work in publishing mm-hmm. but they were you know having just as many opportunities as I was to travel um which is kind of nice and refreshing really isn't it because it's not like it's an exclusive thing to the travel industry um it's it opens up new parts of the world for everybody Mm -hmm. so i always see sales jobs if you're in sales if you're listening and you're in sales you've that's just golden ticket yeah that is is a golden ticket especially if you are a solid english speaker Mm. you can go to places i mean crikey the middle east has got so many jobs Mm -hmm. i you know just I think it just grows every single day you know yeah. um in terms of the the different types of jobs and the I mean let's face it the the money is good as well mm-hmm. so I think if you have that solid English background and that basis and also knowledge of other markets that's quite interesting mm. as well isn't it because you know if even if you're if you're a small company in somewhere say like Thailand and you want someone who is like an international player someone who is knowledgeable about other markets doesn't matter what kind of industry you're in really you know you can't find someone like that on your doorstep can you so you have mm-hmm. to recruit for overseas and that mm-hmm. i think is where you know if you're if you're putting together a cv for for an overseas company then go big on the fact that you've got international experience you've mm-hmm. got knowledge of markets that they certainly wouldn't have and you can bring that that exposure to, to yeah them. Yeah, anyone listening who is in marketing, again, golden oh, ticket for that reason. Definitely. Some of the work that I, you know, I still work for the company in Thailand, just kind of on an ad hoc basis. And then, and that's the reason why they, I think, they've said they keep me around because I know, I do a lot of social media marketing for them. I know what people in the US respond to. They know what people in Thailand respond to. Mm-hmm. So that's the way it works work together. And, and you're definitely such a huge asset if you have, like you said, knowledge of different markets. Sure. So what do you think your advice would be to someone who's thinking about taking, say, a year to be, I want to be an expat for a year. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> just a very broad, maybe just drummed it up one night and yeah. dreamt it. Um, well, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a, um, I don't think it's too much of a kind of outlandish dream really to, no. you know, to be thinking, oh gosh, you know, I really want a, a change of scenery and I want to I don't want to sacrifice my career, mm-hmm. um, so I don't. I don't think it's um, too kind of crazy. I would say, well, it's difficult really because it landed in in my lap really. But I would say planning actually. Don't just go willy nilly and and start applying for, you know, jobs all over the place in the hope that something's going to come off. If you want to be taken seriously, I think it's like with any job, you have to do your research. So mm-hmm. research the companies in the particular place that you would like to go. Maybe fix on one or two places that you would really like to work. Yeah. And that could be a whole country or it could be um, a couple of different cities. Research the companies that are there. Research their competition. Find the ones that you would really want to work for. And just like with any job, just make sure that you're clued up before you start speaking to people. It's all very well sending off speculative emails, but that's your kind of one chance. If someone sees that email, doesn't like you, but remembers your name, the next time you email, it's that's not just going to work out for you. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, even though email is you know your first point of contact with any any kind of job application, it's even more important if you're overseas because it's not like you're going to you know just pick up the phone and, and, and talk to these people like it's a mm-hmm. casual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't bump into them at a networking event you have to really put yourself out there and you, you have to make sure that you are 
your best self when you get in contact with them. Yeah. I would address the fact that you are applying from overseas in any kind of cover letter. Make a make a not a big thing of it, but turn it into a plus point. Mm. Think about if you were recruiting somebody from overseas and you're like, oh gosh, but you know, they're from a country that I haven't even been to. I don't know anything about them. Then make yourself human in, in your cover letter. I know that cover letters are notoriously hard to write, but if you can come across as as a, a reasonable, sane human being who isn't too far removed from um, the person that's reading it, then that's certainly a plus point. But that show applies them. for all jobs. Yeah, I think so. But but show show off your international experience. Yeah. Say, you know, I've been working in these markets for however long, and you know, I'm I'm really keen to. Um, to, to take that experience to somewhere where it will be even more useful and I'd, I'd really like to share my insight and I'd really also like to learn from you about yeah, and develop it internationally. Yeah. It's, all, it's all that, that all kind of that, stuff, isn't all it? All those buzzwords. Don't say, oh, I'd really like to work for your company in New York because I've never been to New York before and yeah. I really oh, want to. Oh, Lord, don't do that. But why? That just no. says, I'm going to move here with me. <laughs> I don't really. You're just yeah. like second to yeah, my exactly. intentions. So you should be moving there for the job. Yeah. I think I would also say to people, and then I guess this piece of advice goes more to people who perhaps aren't staying exactly with the same job that they mm. have now, like know your strengths mm, yeah. and think, okay, and, and have a very, I guess, a frank discussion with yourself, sit down and go, okay, what can I do really, really, really well? Mm. Mine was, I can write, <laughs> I can, oh, I like to think I can write well, yeah. I can write and I can use social media really well. Mm. And my blog was a really good example of that. And I'd never had a digital marketing job before Canada, mm. but I saw the I saw the description and I was like, well, that's what I do for my website. Yeah. It's just that I've never been in that position. I've never been given that title before. Yeah. So I went into that application with, I can do this. Here's my website to prove it. But mm. also just went in all guns blazing and just said, I can do this. I already do this now. Yeah. Yeah. I know I'm not. I didn't. I didn't say this, but I was thinking, I know I'm not a digital marketer mm. now, officially. But I am. I already do this. Yeah. So be be strong with what you can do. And classic jobs term: transferable skills. Oh. Know where your skills can transfer to, <laughs> like with any job. Again, but um, it also applies for jobs overseas, of course. Do you think if someone is wanting to work overseas, they should go to the place where they want to work? They should just like just book a ticket and go and see what happens or do you think it's better to plan in advance halfway <laughs> through the question I'm like no, <laughs> no never no, I, no, I am not a huge fan of the just go mm. philosophy I love the idea of it and I love the spontaneity of it but especially with somewhere where you're going to want to go for a year or you want to go on a massive trip and you're going to move somewhere mm. I don't highly recommend it mm. that said it's as the listeners already know i did that for canada mm. <laughs> and that worked out do but i did I that say, to thailand I <laughs> yeah i did that for thailand and it didn't work out and it backfired and i was miserable mm. so go with being honest with yourself of where you really think that you could mm. live or a more practical piece of advice is start with your industry and then do some research into where are the strong countries that are really good for it and let that lead you to where you want to go instead of you thinking, oh, I'd love to live in Russia mm. and then trying to scramble around to yeah. find something appropriate. I'd do it the other way around. I'd find yeah. the job first and let that lead you to where yeah. you want to go. It's one way of doing it, but mm. that would be an interesting way of doing it as well because you would 
perhaps turn up in somewhere that you never thought to live. Yeah. I actually interviewed someone um, when I was in Dubai for an editorial job who was there on holiday and they literally, they'd come out on holiday, I think with their family, but they were also using it as a way of scouting out opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really clever, really savvy. And he actually got the job. Um, Not just because of that, he was also very good. Um, (laughs) But I thought that was a really nice balance, actually, of getting to know somewhere, or at least experiencing somewhere, especially when you have a family and you're going to be uprooting them. It's all very well for us to sit here and say, well, you should do this and do that. But if you have people that are dependent on you, um, Mm. and you come, you know, with, I don't know, one or two other people, or even three or four, then obviously you have to do as much research and you have to make sure that those people are happy with it. So I think he was very savvy in taking them on a on a lavish Dubai holiday <laughs> and then selling the whole lifestyle Wrecking. to them. <laughs> and just, you know, while they were at the beach, just, you know, popping in to, for a few meetings and to, um, to see a few people. Mm. And also having the gumption to get in contact with a company, with a manager and saying, listen, you know, this is my situation. I'm actually going to be out here. So I'd, you know, I'd like to come and talk to you. And just kind of putting yourself out there. I think for for a lot of people that work overseas, and maybe a manager that is an expat, they would appreciate the fact that you are taking a chance and they would have a lot of respect for you for Mm. reaching out just completely off spec and just saying, how's about it? Mm -hmm. You know, no strings attached, just going for a coffee and talking about, can I pick your brains about the local job market? Yeah. Um, Not even approaching them for a job, but just Mm -hmm. saying... I'd really value your advice because people like that and they feel flattered by that. And, yeah. and if there is a job going, then all the better. So yes, I, I do think that that is a good way of uh, of approaching the situation. Yeah, a little recce mission. Yeah. yeah. And a friend of mine's actually done that recently. He was actually offered a job in Australia. He's from the UK. And he just went on a holiday for three weeks and he's mm. like, I just went to go and see if I'd like it. But it also happens to be summer there and I live in the north of England, mm. so I'm going to go anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> job or no job. Yeah, so treat yourself to a recce mission mm. is a strong piece of advice. Yeah. Or if you, like the, if you like the place enough to want to live there, yeah. well then have a holiday there. There's, yeah. it's, not, it's no hardship, is it really? Yeah. And you know, be be kind to your future self. You know, make mm. make those connections, and you never know. You might get there. You might talk to some people and actually think, actually, no, this is all right as a holiday mm. destination. But... And you will thank yourself for the recognition. Yeah, because it, it's not it's just not a fun position to be. I mean, I sat in Thailand in a job. After probably a month, I was like, okay, the sunshine is delightful. Obviously, mm. but it's not it's not enough for me to want to stay here. And there were so many. Po- I mean, everyone thought I was absolutely insane. Mm. And I didn't often didn't tell people that I was unhappy mm. because I felt like I was really spoiled and being a brat. Mm. Being like, oh, I have a free apartment and a great salary and, and a paradise island. <laughs> but I don't like it. Thing. <laughs> so I often, when people are like, how's it going? I just say, it's amazing. I love yeah, it. And really, I'm going, yeah. I literally hate this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I would have, not that I regret it. I don't regret going. But to, to be stuck in it, I thought I was, I mean, my employers were very kind when I eventually did say I've had enough. But the thought of actually being stuck in a job that I really didn't like and the thought of staying out there being really unhappy, mm. I would have just gone, why have I done this? Because I've, I've never been to Asia, well, never been to Thailand before in my life. Why have I just moved out here? Mm-hmm. Like it's not a fun position to be in because you think you have to stay in it because you've you know, told all your family and friends yeah, and you have this yeah. wild idea you've gone out with all these hopes and dreams yeah. and smashed it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it is funny though expectations, I mean I met a lady who does marketing for a well known hotel brand B 
big chain, very luxurious, lovely, lovely hotels. And they have a hotel in the Maldives. Mm-hmm. And she went out, she was their in-house um, marketing PR lady. And she went out and she lived on this island in this resort. And you know what it's like in the Maldives, it's an island for the, every resort. And it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, just like you found with, with Thailand, she just thought, oh gosh, you know, I can't lose here. This is going to yeah. be fantastic. She got out there and soon enough she realised that, gosh, she's stuck on an island and that's the island where she works. And okay, so there are opportunities to get off the island, but, you know, you're, you're living and you're working not when you with, work there, yes. with the no. same people yeah. and you're seeing the same goddamn palm trees yeah. um, day in, day out. You get sick of them. And it's, you know, <laughs> it's small and whatever and she didn't like it. And even, you know, for her to explain that to her own family... You know, it was difficult, even though it's completely valid problems uh, and valid concerns. Um, she found it difficult because people were like, uh, so you quit a job in the Maldives? Yeah, people you are mentalist. But it was just one of those It's not right for you, it's not right for you, though, yeah. at the end of the day. And the yeah. reality of things is a lot different. So, yeah, expectations, mm-hmm. manage them. I would also say, as well, don't put it off because life changes and you will change. And mm. I did my overseas stint at completely the right time for me but you know I ended up coming home because of family illness and basically life reality of life kind Mm -hmm. of took over and that's not to say that I won't live overseas again it's very much on my radar but to up sticks to somewhere that's so far flung and and is so very different that really was a kind of it was a fleet of the moment decision and I know that well, I feel that those decisions are best taken when you are footloose and fancy free. Absolutely. Um, and if you hang around twiddling your thumbs thinking, oh, when will be the right time? There's never a right time. Mm-mm. There's, I think that's just one of those things that you have to remember. There's quite simply never a right time. And it's all about when is the best time, not the right time. Mm-hmm. And the best time is now. If you're thinking about it, just yeah. do it. Yeah, I mean, even just start Googling just start putting the feelers out. Yeah. Google places where your market is strong. Google places where you think mm. your skills could be used in a job. Even if you're only looking, you're only looking. Yeah. Not touching. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then go and grab it with both hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're lucky enough to even start considering it, if you if you're in a position where you're not, you know, you haven't got kids yet, mm. maybe you're single mm. like me, which is yeah. not a freedom. See, I wasn't even single. I. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, there we go. You know, I had I have my other half, my long suffering other half, who was in the UK and he the opportunity wasn't right for him to come out so mm-hmm. we did the whole long distance thing for two years which is a whole other podcast it's a whole other podcast um, on the next next <laughs> <laughs> up um, so yeah I mean even though the time the time wasn't right for me it was still the best time mm-hmm. and you know life life is complicated and yeah. it was just one of those moments where you have to kind of go for it and so I did, and you know we're still together. Nothing, you know, nothing bad happened there. I, you know, I would say that actually, without getting too mushy, our relationship is probably even stronger mm-hmm. for the fact that we spent two years long distance. The the, the commute. <laughs> uh, it was a long commute. A um, love commute. Yeah, yeah, the love commute. <laughs> uh, we worked out that our midpoint was, um, I think, somewhere over Turkey. Um, love it. Yeah, we worked that out the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very exotic, but actually it was just very difficult. No, it was fine, and and you know, every, like everything, it has its ups and downs. But my point is basically, there is no right time. Um, you just have to do it mm-hmm. because 
yes, because this is if it's something that you're thinking about, it's something that you have to, I feel, be true to yourself and, and do yeah. no matter. Yeah, follow that curiosity. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, final question. Mm-hmm. Now that you've had this incredible adventure in Dubai, how do you feel, like, what kind of doors do you feel like it's opened for you now that you're back in the UK? I would say that when I came back, I became an exotic creature who had worked overseas and who... Um, That's why seen... you're on this podcast, though, I know, Hazel, I know. Because you are Look to us. I mean, it's, it's all, it's all um, how you spin it, isn't it, really? Um, when, you, you know, when you talk to people about it, I think people tend to be very interested in, in, in what you've done and what you've seen. and mm. You don't have to travel far to, um, to become an exotic creature. Yeah. And as I'm sure you found, when you, when you came back from, from Thailand and you came back from um, Canada, because you've got something to talk about, you, you can tell an anecdote in an interview. Mm. If they say, oh, so how did you cope with you know, a stressful situation in your last job? We're like, right, you have no idea. Seven two Russians. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> quite. As someone who has interviewed me before. <laughs> <laughs> and you, um, you know, you, you, have, you have that kind of anecdotal interest to fall back on. And... Yeah, you, I think you just become a lot more attractive to potential employers. Mm. Uh, it's not a myth. It really, you know, over It's really not. It's really, really not. CV. Mm-hmm. And it certainly opened up doors for me. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm still working within the travel industry. I have, I mean, I've, I've been working as a, as a website editor for a very well-known um, UK travel publication um, for the past couple of years. But alongside that, I've also been freelancing for the same company that I was working for in Dubai, so I've been freelance writing and freelance editing for them, and I've so I've still got that international experience going on my CV. You know, like you were saying, you still work still for the work out in Thailand. Thailand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so not only has it made me more attractive in in you know interview situations, it has also given me some extra income and some extra mm. um, some extra work for my portfolio. So that's fantastic. And I'm also about to embark on a very interesting, very high-profile job within a, uh, a national uh, newspaper and website, who shall so remain... shall remain nameless for now. The second people look you up on Twitter, they're like, <laughs> in a couple of weeks, you'll change the handle. Yes, yes. All, all will become... If you want to find out, you can go and <laughs> Yeah, um, if, you, if you do, if you are interested That's in right. what I'm up to, then my Twitter handle is hazelplush. Um, Best name ever. Buddy. Yes, plush, as in I don't know, plush. plush velvet, darling. Yeah, um, I love it. It's one of my <laughs> yeah. favourite names. So many people think it's fake. It's oh, it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> it's it, made it. Up. Yeah, people do. But yes, yeah, so that's that's the kind of door that's opened up to uh, up for me. I know lots of people that have who have come back to um, to the UK and people that have moved home from Dubai to places like Australia and um, America. And they also have found themselves in similar situations. Mm. You show that you've got guts and gumption. You show that you've got a bit about you, and and that you're not afraid to take risks. And I think in any climate, not just the UK's current job climate, but all over the world, those are the kind of qualities that are appreciated and sought after. Mm. So, yes, it's certainly opened up lots of different doors for me. All of them fantastic. Go, go now. Go, go now. (laughs) Well, that's a great sentiment to leave this at. Thank you so 
much Hazel for chatting and thank you to Henry the Rabbit. Oh, and that was, that was Henry the Rabbit. That gigantic fur today. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely to talk about all things travel and expat related. It has been lovely <laughs> to have you. Thank you. <laughs> so guys, that was our last episode in the current series of the Everyday Explorer podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening along. Don't forget to stop by gottakeepmoving.com forward slash podcast to make sure you've caught every episode. Also swing by gottakeepmoving.com forward slash magazine to take a look at our print travel journal, A Year in the UK and Ireland, which is 20 long form beautiful stories about our year across these two countries last year. We'll be back in the next few months with more episodes of the Everyday Explorer podcast. In the meantime, also take a look through our website for more travel inspiration. That's gottakeepmoving.com. See you soon.